Happy Monday, everybody. I hope everybody had a great, fantastic weekend. This is Get Your Goat with Josh here. There's a lot to get into today. But first off, I just want to give a big shout out. Congratulations to my team, Jim Harbaugh and the Michigan Wolverines stomping on the Ohio State Buckeyes. That wasn't just the game of the week for me, game of the Saturday, game of the weekend. That was game of the year where I was just in complete euphoria, still in that same state days later. I can't wait uh, to talk about that, but I want to give that a shout out because first I'm going to get into tonight's Monday night football game between the Seattle Seahawks and the Washington football team. Who has the edge here? Then I'm going to look back at the Week 12 highlights and all the craziness that happened. Dallas losing a game. I believe they should not have lost. Then Tampa Bay storming back. Baltimore looking weak as well last night. So a lot to get into that. Then I'm going to give my top five teams in the NBA. I'm going to react to all the college football games from Rivalry Weekend. Lincoln Riley leaving for USC. Mets just announcing signing Max Scherzer. So there's a lot to get into. Let's get into it. Seattle Seahawks, Washington, a football team. And to me, this is a very evenly matched team. I don't know what Washington team uh, to expect right now at the moment. I mean, they've played good as of recently. We're able to beat the Bucks and beat the uh, Panthers last week. But is this the real uh, football team that I'm going to see uh, tonight, or is this a team I'm going to see from earlier in the season where they struggled uh, against the uh, Packers and the Saints? What team is going to show up? And then for Seattle, this team is spiraling right now. It's just bad. Everything about this Seahawks team, I really don't like. The Russell Wilson coming back from injury, to me having the two worst games of his career, not targeting DK Metcalf as much as he should. The offensive line looking more like a wreck, but to me it looked better for Geno Smith than it does for Russell Wilson. Pete Carroll and his terrible play calling. The defense that I felt was ascending um, has taken a step back as well. Is now, you know, they have lost uh, five out of their last six games. That just can't happen. This is a must win tonight. And I don't even think that's enough to vault them into playoff status. They would have to win out. And hope for chaos is, you know, chaos is something we usually use for college football where, you know, you need a win and hope some other teams lose around you. That is exactly what Seattle wins here. They just need to focus on themselves and getting a win because they are the second worst team in the NFC at the moment. Can you believe that? The only team worse than them is the Detroit Lions. That is the only team Worse than Seattle at the moment. That's how bad they are. And, you know, you see Minnesota lose uh, yesterday. They're 5-6. and So if Seattle can get to 4-7, and 
they're still right there because the NFC is beating each other up. The Rams skidding, the 49ers, Minnesota went at it yesterday. New Orleans falling off, the Saints falling off, Philadelphia with a shocking loss. Same with Carolina. So really, it is going to be complete chaos. And Seattle has a chance because they're not in a tank situation with uh, the way they gave away their first draft pick. So this is a must win. But same for the football team. You just have Dallas drop another game. That's three out of the past four that they've dropped after a hot 6-1 and one start. They can still catch up to them, get a playoff spot, because they still have two games left against them. Big, big matchup tonight for both teams. I think if Seattle loses this one tonight, you don't wait to fire Pete Carroll till the offseason. You fire him now. You then evaluate the roster moving forward. You keep Russell. Do you not keep him? That's what's going to have to happen. Whereas the football team, you expect to be this 500 team because it's a similar team to last year. You don't have a real starting quarterback. I like Taylor Heineke. I don't love Taylor Heineke. I don't think he can be a star in the NFL and be a consistent starter in this league. I am not that high on Taylor Heineke. With all that being said, I'm picking Seattle to win. Maybe I'm a glutton for punishment because I've been picking them a lot. Maybe they'll turn it around where as the 49ers did. Maybe the Seattle can do it. Maybe it's just too late. But I'm picking Seattle. Russell Wilson has to get right because he hasn't looked right the last two games. I don't know if a thumb is still affecting him a little bit. I don't know if it's a mental thing. I don't know what's going on with the guy. But what I do know, he needs to get it fixed. And as we've known for the past few years, uh, with the defense dropping off, the Seahawks' playoff chances, all their chances, lie on the shoulders of Russell Wilson. Can he handle it? No, he can't. He's, he can't. Uh, we saw him last year power him to a division. I think that's a ceiling that his shoulders can handle. Uh, I know LeBron uh, has been talked about a lot, and he himself says that you know when guys go down, he's got broad shoulders for a reason to carry his team. And guess what? He has carried teams to the finals. Russell Wilson don't have those type of shoulders to carry this Seattle team to a Super Bowl, less even the playoffs at this moment. He'd have to be other worldly he if he were to get this team to the playoffs after a three and seven start missing games I do believe MVP consideration would be but I do know some other things would have to turn this defense has to get better they have to stop a run they have to be better on third down and offensively they have to be better on third down of a worst third down conversion rate team in the league you need to be able to convert on third downs whether it's third and three third and eight you need to convert uh Tyler Lockett is your leading wide receiver. He's a star, but you need to give it more to DK Metcalf. You need to find some semblance to where opposing teams at least respect the rushing game. This isn't the typical rushing attack, but you need to have some semblance of it. You had Rashad Penny have a good rush. Now he's out. You had Trey Brown out. This team's dealing with injuries. I'm not in love with the football team. This is truly a toss-up, which is why the line is at even right now. 
but I'm picking Seattle to win a very close, ugly game. To me, this game could remind me of a Monday night game that the Saints in Seattle played where it was low scoring. Uh, Saints won, but it was an ugly game. I can see this being a very similar uh, type of game, but in this format where it fits an ugly style by both teams, Russell Wilson's usually the one to prevail. I'm rolling with the Seahawks, but this is a pick I'm very nervous about. Then getting into Week 12, I'm going to start with last night's Sunday night game of the Baltimore Ravens and the Cleveland Browns. Now, I expect an ugly game tonight, but I don't know if anything can top the ugliness that we saw last night. Just a poor offensive performance on really both sides of a ball. That was craziness to watch. Who was the worst quarterback? You can make a case for both. I'm going to say it was more bad Lamar, which I couldn't believe because I picked the Ravens because of Lamar. But he was bad. 165 yards throwing the ball. He threw four interceptions. Three of those came on three consecutive drives. Quarterback rating of 25. So this is enough of quarterback rating because it's a 25 out of 100. That's very bad. Passer rating at 46. He was bad. Sacks 2 of 10. He was able to elude some sacks, make some great throws to Mark Andrews. I'll give him props for. But this, if Cleveland had any resemblance of a good offense, Baltimore would have been blown out of the water with the way Lamar performed last night. This, to me, is one of his worst performances I've ever seen. Maybe because it's on primetime. But it was bad. The rushing game, this team couldn't get going at L. Well, averaging 3.4 yards. Uh, Lamar Jackson, only 68 yards. Devontae Freeman, again. There was two brilliant throws by Lamar Jackson and the same receiver. And it was consecutively. It was Mark Andrews. Mark Andrews, a third down, crazy throw, running out of bounds. Mark Andrews gets interfered with, still catches it. Suing drive. Then the same thing, it's kind of a scramble drill. Somehow they leave Mark Andrews wide open. There's three people covering Marquise Brown, but you forget about uh, Mark Andrews and you let him get the touchdown. A simply terrible defense in the secondary last night, I will say. The secondary did not hold up their end of a bargain other than the four interceptions or Miles Garrett, Jadavion Clowney running around trying to get him and the secondary lets him down. Baker, 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 wasn't at his best either. He lost a couple of fumbles last night as well. He lost one in Jarvis Landry, lost one. Again, turnovers hurt teams. You know, Baltimore, Lamar Jackson, I just said he had four interceptions. A quarterback hasn't won with four interceptions since he... Russell Wilson in the NFC Championship game against the Packers like seven years ago. But Baker had a costly fumble. Uh, Jarvis Landry did as well. They could not take care of a ball. They could not get the rushing game going. No Nick Chubb, no Kareem Hunt. Uh, Baker Mayfield, 247 yards. Quarterback rating of 45. Again, is an F. He didn't look good. I could tell he was hobbled by injuries. Limping everywhere on and off the field. Uh, It was just... Kind of pathetic to watch both these offenses operate. The Ravens could only manage 303 yards of offense, while the Cleveland Browns could only uh, muster 262.
too. The Cleveland Browns were never in the red zone at all last night. They couldn't even get there. Uh, Baltimore won this game because even though they had four turnovers, they controlled the ball. They had it 37 minutes. They kind of wound up the clock. And then at the end, Baker had a drive. They showed a stat two for seven on kind of comebacks under two minutes. And I knew he was going to go two for eight because Steelers let him down. He threw a little check down right before. But didn't even make it to the first down marker. So poor performance by both teams. Cleveland at six and six. Very much in danger of missing the playoffs, and I think they will. Baltimore wins. They hang on to the one seed. But guess what? This is not a great one seed. This is not a team that's going to go a 14-3. I definitely see them losing a couple more games coming up. They still play the Steelers twice. They play the Packers. They play the Bengals again. They play the Rams. So it gets tough. I do not think they wind up with the one seed, unless that offense starts clicking. Now I'm going to go to these Thursday Thanksgiving games. Bears-Lions, I picked the Lions, and did they let me down? The defense in particular let me down on the last drive, where Detroit takes the lead 14-13, to and you let the Bears eat up the clock on like an 8.5-minute drive. You don't even get the ball back. Poor clock management by this defense. Dan Campbell calls a timeout. Then they have to call a second timeout, which results in a five-yard penalty. Then they get the first down, and the Bears can just kick the field goal there at the end. That was poor coaching performance. Dan Campbell, who did just enough to try to win this game, kind of blew up there at the end. Didn't really think Matt Nagy, Andy Dalton, had that great of a game. It was uh, tough to see DeAndre Swift get hurt because... You know, for the next two quarters, they really couldn't do anything offensively. After a great first drive, that was just two poor teams playing on Thanksgiving right there. Uh, I can't tip my hats off to any of those two teams and what they did. Las Vegas and Dallas. I said Dallas was going to win three games. They were going to lose inexplicably. They shouldn't lose them. They are they that was number two. The Las Vegas Raiders. Las Vegas Raiders on a three game losing streak, you know, to the New York Giants, getting uh blown out by the Bengals, by the Chiefs, uh all the turmoil. Dallas comes in, or it's at home, Las Vegas actually comes in and beats the Dallas Cowboys. Uh just a pitiful, pitiful performance by this Dallas Cowboys. I know everyone wants to talk about the penalties. Both teams had 14 accepted penalties on them. Las Vegas for 110 yards. Dallas for 166 yards. That's poor discipline. Uh, It's bad coaching on Mike McCarthy. Four of them were pass interferences on the same guy. What else did I see? Trayvon Diggs is not an elite cornerback. I'm glad he can make... uh, interceptions, and you can talk about Trevon Diggs all you want. He is not an elite corner in this league. He's not even a top 10 corner in this league. So we can pause the breaks on him because he was getting burned uh, that game. Uh, Derek Carr threw for 373 yards, averaging 10 yards a completion, which is equivalent to a first down. Hunter Renfro got his. Deshaun Jackson made big plays. A. Jones. Uh, Josh Jacobs was used, Edwards, I mean, 
they all were used, and the Dallas Cowboy defense could not stop them. I will tip my hat because this Dallas Cowboys defense is not good. I said they're opportunistic. They look for turnovers, but there's only one star on this defense, at least so far. I know Randy Gregory out to Marcus Lawrence, but right now there's only one star. That's Micah Parsons. He's a beast. I think he's at 12 or 13 sacks right now. Uh, He is playing phenomenal. I think he's got defensive rookie of the year locked up. I think he can be in defensive player of the year conversation. That's how good I think he is. But he's the only one. The rest of his defense has to step up because it's bad. The Raiders, who had a tough time scoring more than 14 on the Chiefs and like 13 on the Bengals, and then they score 36 on the Dallas Cowboys, this Cowboys defense is not championship caliber defense. I watched championship caliber defense on Saturday. I'm a Michigan Wolverines. This Dallas Cowboys defense, not championship caliber level. They're just average. It's an improvement from last year. You can't get any worse from last year. They're better, but they have a long way to go if they're going to beat teams in the playoffs that have explosive offenses, whether it be Tampa Bay or the Rams. I know the Rams are skidding, and I'll get to them in a moment. But the Dallas Cowboys need to do a better job defensively. A lot of talk on Dan Quinn reshaping this defense, reshaping himself. It didn't show against the Las Vegas Raiders. It did not. So Dallas, that's two now losses they should not have done. Denver Broncos, now the Las Vegas Raiders. And I still think they have one more up their sleeve. Buffalo in New Orleans. Thought Buffalo would get back on track, and they did. But poor Saints, as I outlined last week, just all the injuries they're facing, it's hard to overcome that. Even when Josh Allen doesn't have his greatest game, uh, threw two interceptions, one in the red zone, it it was a bad interception. He wasn't great. He was good, 23 or 28, four touchdowns. But the two interceptions, they were both bad. To me, they're both on him. I like, you know, the connection to Stefan Diggs targeting him more. But still, there's two things uh, I want to see. Of course, Alvin Kamara wasn't there, so his rush defense didn't have to do much. But the rushing attack has to be more than Josh Allen. He rushed for 43 yards. Devin Singletary had one more yard at 44 It was a better performance this week, but they're really going to have to shape up before next week when they play the New England Patriots for the division. Now, another team I want to talk about, the Los Angeles Rams, Green Bay Packers. What a game that was built up to be. Matthew Stafford, all too familiar with Lambeau Field. Lambeau starts with an L. Stafford is used to L's at Lambeau. So I think that result last night is something both him and Sean McVay are used to. Sean McVay had a nice hot L last year in the divisional round of the playoffs. Matthew Stafford had a few last year, or had one last year there and about every year prior since then, since he's been in the league. Aaron Rodgers served him another one. On his fractured pinky toe, looked fine to me last night as he threw for 
307 yards, two touchdowns. Uh, Matthew Stafford threw another pick six. That's now three consecutive games he has thrown a pick six. If he does so next week, I believe he ties Matt Schaub's record of four uh, consecutive games in a row. He plays Jacksonville. Hopefully that doesn't happen. But he is fallen from grace, no longer an MVP candidate or even worthy of being in the MVP conversation. That's how much he's fallen in the past three weeks now that they have lost three straight. What else have I noticed? This defense, as I said earlier in the season, they lost their defensive coordinator, Brandon Staley. That's a huge part of your defense. You lost your signal caller, John Johnson, in safety. That's a huge part. You lost a key backup, uh, Michael Brockers, as well. You shipped out a reader uh, again earlier in the season. So, yes, so just because you added Bob Miller doesn't make it just that much better. His defense got torched by the Packers last night. Devontae Adams seems to just really relish a matchup with uh, Devontae, or Devontae Adams relishes a matchup with Jalen Ramsey. I know Jalen wasn't guarding him on every single reception that he had, but there were a few, and Devontae makes it look too easy. That's why he's the best wide receiver in the game, because there is a higher margin for Devontae Adams being the best wide receiver in the game than there is a Jalen Ramsey being the best corner in the game. That connection is still special. Rodgers and Adams, Aaron Jones back with that sprained MCL. Didn't matter because they were going to rely on A.J. Dillon much more. And right when, uh, you know, it's in the game, it's still 30-17. That's when Matthew Stafford throws his pick six. Didn't look good. Uh, Daryl Henderson couldn't get much going. The Packers defense, I thought, played a lot better than they did against the Vikings last week. One other note from this game as well, you know, as talked about before the game, Odell Beckham really wanting to sign with the Packers, but thought he was lowballed because of the veteran minimum, wanted a little bit more money. So he goes there. So then after the game, uh, OBJ wanting Devontae Adams' jersey. Devontae Adams with the reply of the year saying, go get Cooper Cup's jersey since that's the person you wanted to roll with or choose. So he got no jersey from Devontae. Brilliant response from Devontae, who Devontae openly wanted OBJ with him on his team. So yeah, that's a typical response. Uh, Congratulations, Devontae Adams, uh, Green Bay Packers, Aaron Rodgers, for beating the Los Angeles Rams. You keep pace to me with the Cardinals. Since you own the tiebreak, one more loss by them. You own the one seed, which I think is still huge to get that first round by. The Rams, however, are skidding three straight losses. Can they miss the playoffs? It's very possible. Last night I thought it is very realistic that they do miss the playoffs. But then with the way this uh, division and conferences look, the NFC, they could still get in at a seven seed. I think at nine and seven. But I think I predicted them to be 12 and five. 9-7 and seven is looking more likely. Where they play the Jags next week, you can expect a win. But then you play the Cardinals. That could be a very much well be a loss. Then they play the Seahawks. 
a way the Seahawks are looking, that could be a win you get to, you know, nine and five. But then your final three games, uh, Vikings, that's tough. Ravens, tough. 49ers, who they walloped you for a few years in a row now. It's tough sledding for the Rams. They need to get right. Sean McVay uh, needs to get right. Uh, the loss of Robert Woods has hurt this team. But there's a lot that they still have, a lot of talent they still have. It's on Sean McVay now to put his players in the right position to win these games and on Matthew Stafford for not turning the ball over and giving the other team points. San Francisco put together another win on a good win streak here now, three in a row. Beat the Vikings to me in a key playoff game. They now have a tie break over them. They look much better. They're running the football more. And it's just beautiful to watch. 208 rushing yards, 215 passing yards. This is what I like. This is why I love watching Michigan this year. And I know I'll talk about them more in a moment. But it's just the balance. It's the offensive line. It's not only Elijah Mitchell rushing for 133 yards and 27 carries. But Debo Samuel, wide receiver one. Also being lined up is a running back. 66 yards, two touchdowns. From the running back spot. And he still had a catch as well. But I just love the game plan Kyle Shanahan is using. If you use Elijah Mitchell, Debo Samuel, you still have weapons on the outside. You still got Brandon Ayuk, George Kittle. This is dynamic. I love what Kyle Shanahan is doing. You know, after I called for his job and that embarrassment loss for the Cardinals, he has rebounded spectacularly. And then on the other side, con artist Kirk, a week after I said, maybe I was too harsh on him, but you know what? He'll always find a way to be con artist Kirk. He did so in this game. Two big things, the costly interception that he threw, and then a key moment in the game in the red zone, you have to burn a timeout because you line up underneath the right guard and not the center. So you have to call a timeout. I mean, that is just classic. Classic con artist Kirk being him losing a pivotal game to the San Francisco 49ers. LA Chargers, Denver Broncos. This was a big game for the Chargers that they needed, I believe, to win to stay afloat in that AFC West race to go down to that Thursday night game against the Chiefs in a few weeks. But nope, Justin Herbert threw two interceptions. One of those a pick six off the hands of Eckler. They couldn't get the running game going with Eckler as Justin Herbert was the leading rusher. I mean, this was just bad by uh, the Chargers. They lost 28-13. to They were down 28-7 to in the fourth quarter. Uh, the Chargers did not look like the better team in that game at all. Other news as well in the NFL. Cincinnati... Put a hurt on the Pittsburgh Steelers. Just a hurt. 41-10. to 10. It was 41-3 to 3 before a garbage time touchdown. I mean, Pittsburgh both times this season. Earlier this year in Pittsburgh, they beat uh, Cincinnati beat Pittsburgh 24-10. to 10. Now, yesterday in Cincinnati, 41-10. to 10. Joe Burrow, 20 of 24, 190 yards, a touchdown and an interception. Was great. QBR of 76. Uh, Joe Mixon, light let, uh, light the lamp for them. 28 carries, 165 yards, two touchdowns. 
TJ Watt came back. I thought that was a little early from that hip injury. And they just couldn't tackle Joe Mixon. They just couldn't. No one could guard T. Higgins. Apparently, they were focused on Jamar Chase. And T. Higgins had himself a day. Ben Roethlisberger, two interceptions, three sacks. Looks helpless out there. Uh, He didn't look good. The Cincinnati Bengal defense, which started out strong and kind of hit a halted there in the middle, were able to contain Najee Harris, which has been tough to do for a lot of teams. But the Bengals were able to do it. I give props to the Bengals because now it's shaping up to be a Bengal and uh, Raven race for the AFC North. Tampa Bay and Indianapolis. I thought Tampa Bay was going to lose this game when they were sort of down uh, 17-7 to and then 24-14. to uh, yesterday, you know, Tom Brady, another interception. I thought this is sort of it in halftime. I don't think they can come back from this. Indianapolis is doing well. And they weren't even relying on Jonathan Taylor for the first three quarters. It was all Carson Wentz, 306 yards, three touchdowns. And then the turnover bug hit Indianapolis where they had five turnovers uh, two interceptions thrown by Carson Wentz, a fumble lost by Carson Wentz. Uh, you also had a muffed punt as well that hurt this team and another in, uh, fumble by Hines. So that sloppy play in the second half allowed Tampa Bay to come back, take the 28-24 lead, a 31-24 lead before Jonathan Taylor went off uh, in the fourth quarter, tied it up, but it was just too much as Leonard Fournette added another touchdown run, and he, as he had four yesterday, four total touchdowns, 100 yards, brilliant performance by Leonard Fournette and the Bucks to win this game, which was tough to do, tough environment. Colts have been red hot, but they get the win, uh, and to me, a tough test of a good team on the road, exactly to me what the Bucks needed for their psyche, was to win a road game like this where they've lost to the Rams and the Buck or the football team on the road. But you win this game here at Indy, where you know Tom Brady is used to winning. He's beat Peyton there all these years. But to get that win was big for Tom, the psyche, the momentum of this team moving forward, where they now play the Falcons, where you can just pencil in a big dub over there to get Tampa Bay to nine and three. Big comeback win. For Tampa Bay, that's exactly what they need. And their push for the number one seed, and I still think they get it this year. Carolina, Miami. Miami absolutely tore Carolina apart en route to their fourth straight win to a efficient, 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 efficient. That's all I can say about him. 27 of 31, a touchdown, 230 yards. I know... You have two sacks. His QBR wasn't flashy, 47, but the conf- uh, but the efficiency is what I like. 6 of 14 on third downs. Uh, the balance in the run game as well. Miles Gaskin, 47, 49 yards. Jalen Waddell having himself a day. 33 to 10. Wall of the Panthers got so bad they benched Cam Newton. Cam Newton, 10 straight losses and 10 straight starts. Remember, he did not start against the Cardinals. Uh, he came in on certain packages. PJ Walker was a starter. Now it's looking bad for Carolina. 
Miami all of a sudden is surging. Maybe I wrote them off a little too early. I'll see how they finish. Big win yesterday by the Miami Dolphins. Philadelphia and the New York Giants. I thought, you know, New York Giants are in turmoil. Fire Jason Garrett. How could I ever pick the Giants who've looked so bad? Daniel Jones, not even a great quarterback. Wasn't great yesterday, but you know who was worse? Jalen Hurts had his worst game of the season after I thought, Jalen Hurts is the QB1. He said, not so fast, as he threw three interceptions yesterday. One explicably in the red zone, where if you throw the ball, you get points in on the last drive. You don't need a touchdown. You can kick the field goal. That was the game changer for this team. I mean, Jalen Hurts, worst performance of the season for him, a 17 QBR, a 17 passer rating. He was just flat out bad yesterday. He has to be better. And where you saw the Dallas lose on Thanksgiving, you win this game and you're sitting at six and six, kind of right there. You still play him as well, the Cowboys another time. And instead you lay an egg. That is very costly for your playoff chances. Atlanta and Jacksonville. Ugly game, but the Jaguars making too many mistakes. Uh, yesterday, Trevor Lawrence had an interception. James Robinson fumbled and lost one, even though Mickens and Lawrence also fumbled and they recovered. Not a clean game by Jacksonville by any means. Matt Ryan Again, to me, wasn't better than Trevor Lawrence, but Cordero Patterson, when he's healthy, he's really good. Uh, last week, you know, wasn't healthy, got bottled up against the Patriots. This week, much better performance against a weaker Jacksonville defense. And to cap it off, two teams that were 2-8, and eight, uh, Jets, Houston. Houston stormed out early, 14-3 lead, but stalled after that is the Jets won 21 21- 214 in Zach Wilson's return after an interception off a teammate's back uh, that people will talk about for a while. But it doesn't matter when you get the win. The Jets are sitting at 3-8 and eight now. So definitely a lot of NFL and other news too. Minnesota Vikings running back Dalvin Cook has a dislocated shoulder. Uh Put him on IR, uh, which will sideline him for three weeks. That is a big loss for the Minnesota Vikings as they hope to clinch a playoff spot or at least be in the playoff race. Now moving on briefly to the NBA. Lakers last night beat the Pistons in a rematch of that crazy game a few weeks ago with Isaiah Stewart, LeBron getting injected. All that noise. Lakers won this game after a big third quarter where they outscored the Pistons by 10, had a sizable lead, then let the Pistons come back in the fourth quarter. But LeBron James, best player on the court last night, 33 points, 9 assists, 5 rebounds, is efficient. Lakers still need LeBron to be the best player in order to win basketball games. They need Anthony Davis to be the second best player he was last night. 24 points, 10 rebounds. And they just need Westbrook to be efficient, and he was with his 25 points. That is the key to success. Every night, LeBron being the best, 
Anthony Davis being aggressive at second best, Russell Westbrook just being efficient. So you need three things, LeBron best, Anthony Davis aggressive, and Westbrook efficient. That's all you need. Is it asking for a lot? Yeah, I think so. But that is what the Lakers need. Whereas Jeremy Grant for the Pistons kept him in the game as they rain booze on Isaiah Stewart when he was hitting uh, free throws at the line. So another weekend, who are my top five teams in the NBA? Number five, the Milwaukee Bucks. After a slow start, it looks like they're back to me. Winners of seven in a row, and it looks like the defense is starting to uh, follow form. Led by Giannis Antetokounmpo, the best player on the court and one of the best players on the planet right now. It's him. It Bucks wins start with him, and he is playing better on both ends of the floor. That's why they're number five. Number four, the Miami Heat. They're also stringing together uh, good wins, uh, beating the Bulls, you know, the Pistons. They are winning games. Jimmy Butler, Bam Adebayo, Tyler Hero, the chemistry on this team is great. Eric Spolstra, great coach. They are winning games and sitting there at second place in the East. But my third team, it's the best team in the East, and that's the Brooklyn Nets. And just because they're the best team in the East doesn't mean they're the best team in the NBA. They're a good team, not a great team, as they are beating good teams. They're beating the Celtics, the Magic, the Cavs, the Thunder. But they're losing against great teams. Uh, the Suns, the Warriors, uh, the Bulls. So that's the reason I have them at three. And to me, it's really a two-team race right now between the next two teams I'm going to talk about. Number two, the Phoenix Suns. They are red hot. Winners of 16 in a row going from a franchise tie best 17. Tomorrow night scoring 113 points a game. Uh is, you know, second best in the league right now. They are playing great. Devin Booker, Chris Paul, uh, everybody is on fire on the Phoenix Suns right now. But just because of that doesn't mean they're the best team in the NBA. Who's the best team? The Golden State Warriors, a league best 18-2, and two, most points per game at 114. Highest point differential at 13. Why? Steph Curry, MVP. Draymond Green, Defensive Player of the Year, front runner. You have that coupled with the depth of his team, Clay Thompson, on the verge of returning very soon. This is the best team, and guess what? You have the two best teams in a showdown tomorrow night, Golden State Warriors, Phoenix Suns. I won't pick that game. I will be picking the Nuggets and Heat tonight. And with the Nuggets and their injuries, Michael Porter Jr. now out, I just think it's too much. I think the Miami Heat win this game. Nikola Jocic can do a lot, but he can't do everything. Jimmy Butler, Duncan Robinson lead this team to victory tonight. Now brief news in the NHL. Kind of disgruntled forward. Uh, Evander Kane waved by Sharks, hired a new agent. Wants to trade as he doesn't want to go to the AHL. Uh, this man is just followed with uh, bad news. It just seems like betting on NHL games, uh, domestic violence abuse on his wife, 
or ex-wife, I should say. So really, it is just a bad look. I don't think any team wants that sort of baggage on their team right now. Now moving to college football. Really, as I said when I started this, it's just been so great. This college football weekend has been amazing, to say the least. It's been brilliant. I was 8-2 and two on my college football picks. I'm just going to run those by. Ole Miss, Mississippi State. Thought Ole Miss would win the Egg Bowl. And they did Lane Kiffin getting Ole Miss to 10 wins. Their first time 10 regular season wins ever. Lane Kiffin gets it done. Matt Corral was good. I mean, just hats off to Lane Kiffin. The job he did in his second year at Ole Miss. Uh, turned this program back around. Then Ohio State, Michigan. I picked Michigan, and was I right? Who's got it better than us? Nobody. Ended the eight-game skid that they were on where they haven't won in a decade, and Michigan won on Saturday. Why did they win? Cade McNamara, efficient. But this was on the game of Hassan Haskins. 28 carries, 169 yards, and five touchdowns. Best running back performance of the season on a Ohio State defense that we thought got better as the season went on post-Oregon game. But this was worse than that Oregon game because Hassan Haskins tore this team apart. The first running back to have five rushing touchdowns in this rivalry. We talked about a month ago, Kenneth Walker, the statement he made on Michigan with his five touchdowns. This was simply more brilliant because of the stakes of the game. That's what Hassan Haskins did. Because guess what? Kenneth Walker couldn't get anything going last week. None of our running backs on Michigan State could. But Hassan Haskins could. What else could they do? Aiden Hutchinson. To me, he's the, he's the second favorite for the Heisman right now. I think uh, the draft books or DraftKings or sports books has him listed at number three. He's two because he got to C.J. Stroud three times. Broke the Michigan program record, I think, for 13 sacks. Uh, he has been a game changer. I think he had 15 pressures against Ohio State. He's been brilliant this year from start to finish. It's just this game, the magnitude of it, the multitude of eyes watching it said, hey, this dude is a beast and one of the best defenders in college football. He was brilliant on that side of the ball. What else did I like? J.J. McCarthy. Had the huge blunder against Michigan State of a fumble. Came back and had his best game this time uh, where he threw a 31-yard strike. Got a rush as well that took him down near the goal line. He was good. This whole team, I got to give credit to Brad Hawkins, DJ Turner, Vincent Gray, Jabo, Barrett, Hinton, uh, Saren Still, Roman Wilson... Uh, Blake Corum with a few huge rushes in his first game back as well. I mean, Michigan, team of the week, brilliant performance, 487 yards of total offense, 297 of them rushing. We were also more disciplined. Uh, Ohio State, the false start penalties, just the atmosphere of Michigan. That was simply a Jim Harbaugh and then the quote afterwards as well. Referring, I think, to Ryan Day, where he said, you know, some people think they were born on, or some people were born on third and think they hit a triple. 
I agree. Ryan Day inherited a great Ohio State team with recruits that, recruits that still wanted to come. As I'm going to discuss in a minute. But next coach for Oklahoma won't get that same benefit as that. We'll see how Ohio State rebounds. But Michigan, win of the year to me. Texas Tech Baylor. I said Baylor wants a spot in the championship game if they can get there. And Oklahoma State takes care of business. They are not going to let this one escape from them. And Baylor did just that, edging out Texas Tech. Alabama-Auburn. A Iron Bowl thriller for the ages. Four overtimes. The first Iron Bowl to ever go to overtime. Looked like Auburn had it up, you know, 10-0, to then 10-3. to Then Auburn has a chance to run out the clock. Running back goes out of bounds, so it stops the clock. You have to uh, then kick it to Alabama and Bryce Young, to me, this is a Heisman moment, engineered a 97-yard drive where it wasn't pretty up until then. But they get the win. They keep their college football playoff chances alive behind his 317 yards and two touchdowns. He was great. Their wide receiver, Jamison Williams, ejected for targeting. They still found a way to win. Oregon State, Oregon. This is another one. Thought Oregon... Wouldn't look past Oregon State. They still have the Rose Bowl to play for. Uh, they did just that. Anthony Brown, three touchdowns, die was good. It was just too much for an Oregon State team. Too much talent on the Oregon side. They got a huge win to improve to 10-2. and two. Penn State, Michigan State, this to me was billed as the headline of the two overpaid coaches. And the one overpaid coach who I thought would win, got the win. That was Mel Tucker. Battling the Edel elements here. Snow coming down. You couldn't even see the Penn State team on the field. They look like ghosts on there just blended in with the snow and their all-white uniforms. I thought Sean Clifford was good. Jahan Dotson. But Kenneth Walker, after getting bottled up last weekend, had a great game with 138 yards and a touchdown in what was a game of runs. You know, 14-zip. Michigan State then 14-14. Uh, Penn State, then another run by Michigan State to make it 30-20. to uh, Late touchdown by Penn State, but that didn't mean much at the end. Wisconsin-Minnesota, one I picked wrong. I thought Wisconsin still wanted a trip to the Big Ten title game. That did not happen. P.J. Fleck, they rode the boat. This, to me, was one of the best performances against Wisconsin all season long. I know early in the season... You know, dominated by Michigan, Notre Dame, the turnovers. But Wisconsin was a team with seven straight victories. They were playing as hot as anyone in the country. Grant Mertz reverted back to that interception. The Minnesota defense bottled up Braylon Allen. This was a great Minnesota win. I mean, hats off to this whole team for winning that game, knocking Wisconsin out of that Big Ten title game. Texas A&M LSU. Thought Texas A&M would just edge it, even though this is tough because of, you know, LSU and last game for Coach O. And Coach O did it last game at Tiger Stadium with Coach O. Go Tigers. They played hard for their coach, and they got the win. Another big loss for Jimbo Fisher there, who was promising uh, 6-2, and two, finished up 8-4. and four. Then Bedlam, Oklahoma, Oklahoma State. 
Bedlam. It was Oklahoma State got the win, secured the division at 11-1. But it didn't come easy after getting off to a 24-17 lead. It was all 24 at halftime. Then in the third quarter, some turnovers by Oklahoma State. Oklahoma's up 33-24. to And you just think, can Oklahoma State come back? Can they win? Is it just destined for Oklahoma to lose this game? But they come back, score two touchdowns, 37-33. And Oklahoma has a chance to come back and win this game. And they just can't be Oklahoma State defense, which has been terrific all season long. Got the big stop when they needed it. Oklahoma State got the win. And then Notre Dame uh, beat Stanford, put a hurt on them 45-14 to to await their fate and see if there's any more chaos this weekend. But with all that, AP poll comes out as well. Michigan sitting there at number two. Big gain, Ohio State drops down five. Respectable Clemson moves back in. Texas A&M drops 10. I am fine with that. Again, as I say, who cares about the AP poll? I just like seeing Michigan at two. This is really the only time I'll care about it. But with all that, I'm going to give you my college football playoff rankings. This is what I think it should be tomorrow night. One, Georgia. That's pretty self-explanatory. Only team, or my bad, maybe one of two teams to go 12-0. and but they had a harder strength of schedule, uh, strength of victory uh, because of that. The way they have just heads and shoulders, best defense above everybody else, still efficient on offense, they get the one spot. Two, I'm putting Michigan. They just beat the two team. In Ohio State, what do you do? You reward that by giving them to number two. And it was a win that wasn't close, wasn't called by the officials. It was dominant fashion in the trenches. The beat Ohio drill came to life. The offensive efficiency for this team, the balance, the defense, it's legit. Now we're not talking about an Ohio State-Georgia game. We are talking about a Georgia-Michigan game, which I am all for. Number three, Alabama. Yes, Alabama has struggled a lot as of recently. Haven't been winning in style fashion, like we're telling Cincinnati to win in style fashion. But they're still winning, still have a tougher opponent in uh, schedule, which is why I put Alabama there. They have Heisman favorite Bryce Young at quarterback. Now number four, because of that, I'll put Cincinnati at four. They're winning more impressively, even though I don't like who they've been playing. 12-0 and record, I have to give them props there at four. Number five, Oklahoma State. They just had a big win over a ranked team in Oklahoma who was very, very good. And I think because of that, uh, you have to give it to them as they win their division. They haven't won their conference yet, but they're sitting there at 8-1. and one. And the sixth team I have is Notre Dame. I put them there because now they are done. They definitely had an easy schedule uh, to finish off as they lost their one tough game. Uh, which was to uh, Cincinnati earlier in the year. So those are my top six teams. Georgia, Michigan, Alabama, Cincinnati, Oklahoma State, and Notre Dame. And with all that being said, Lincoln Riley now leaves Oklahoma for USC. 
said, I'm not taking a job at LSU. He was right, but then he just goes to USC. This is great news for Pac-12, for USC. Lincoln Riley, to me, one of the best coaches, offensive coaches in the game. And now you're bringing USC back to national relevancy, who really haven't been there uh, since Pete Carroll. You had the Lane Kiffin, the Steve Sarkeesian, the Clay Helton, but couldn't get any major success. You now have Lincoln Riley, massive recruiter, offensive mind, and is bringing the Pac-12 to relevance now because you've got you know Oregon kind of carrying it the past few years, and before that was a handoff between Stanford and Jim Harbaugh and Michigan or Oregon with Chip Kelly, uh, you know, a decade ago. Uh, so really, this is great for USC, for the Pac-12, especially if Mario Cristobal stays at Oregon and you have him there. You have uh, uh, Lincoln Riley at USC, Chip Kelly at uh, UCLA. You still have Utah, who's always a force to be reckoned with. Herm Edwards and ASU, 8-4. and four. They're no slouch either. Oregon State, Washington State. It just makes the Pac-12 a lot better and more respectable for the future. And again, I don't think he wanted any part of the SEC. Every playoff he's played in, he plays SEC opponents, and he loses every one. Uh, when Kyler Murray lost to Alabama in lopsided fashion. Uh, year after, Jalen Hurts played uh, LSU, lost in lopsided fashion. The only time he came close was with Baker Mayfield, and they lost to Georgia in a game I believe they could and should have won, but they didn't. He didn't want any part of that. It's tough to play SEC opponents. You know, you look at Texas this year. They lost to Arkansas. They're coming in. I think you establish Pac-12 as a real power, power conference. That helps out that team as a whole. And Lincoln Riley, I think, will do terrific there. Other news, as I notice, as I finish up, Brooks Kepka won the match, predicted that, thought he would kind of wipe the floor with Bryson DeChambeau, said he wanted to. I could just tell he took it seriously, wanted it more than Bryson. Brooks played terrific, even though he wasn't playing terrific recently. In my top five teams in college basketball, it's changed uh, because Gonzaga lost to Duke, so I have to redo it. Number five, UCLA. They are still a good team, have beat really good teams, but because of that, because, but because they lost to Gonzaga, I have to move them down. They are still efficient. McCronin, Johnny Juzang have a talented roster. Uh, I believe they are winners of the Pac-12. Number four, Gonzaga just suffered a loss, but they are a really talented team. Chat Holgram, Tinney, led by Mark Few. This Gonzaga team is still, you know, the real deal and will be there at the end of the year. I think making a strong run in March. Number three, Baylor, 7-0. and You know, they have just won their Atlantis tournament, beating Arizona State, VCU, Michigan State. Uh, good teams. Schedule gets a little tougher now, uh, playing Villanova next week in Oregon, and they get into their division. But Baylor is a good team. Number two, Purdue, a team I didn't take seriously going in because I thought Michigan was the cream of the crop. Apparently I was wrong as Purdue has beaten North Carolina, has beaten Villanova, beaten good teams. Uh, now we'll see what they can do getting into uh, conference play. But number one, 
It's Duke. It's the last year of Coach K, who I predicted to win the whole thing. They beat the somehow unbeatable. They beat Gonzaga 84-81 because of that. You have to give them the number one spot. This is a terrific Duke team led by Coach K. They're number one. And the last thing I'm going to mention, the Mets signed Max Scherzer to a three-year, $130 million deal. Congratulations to the New York Mets for trying to become the most relevant team in New York, surpassing the Yankees. You sign him, you get Marte, you're making moves. That's what the Mets are doing. Yankees have done nothing. I'm taking the Mets more seriously than the Yankees. Congratulations to the Mets for signing him. I'm glad that he has left the Dodgers, is still in the NL as well. Congratulations to those two teams for getting this done. That's it, folks. This has been Get Your Goat. Who do you have winning the Monday Night Football game tonight, Seattle or Washington? I'll talk to you guys soon.